We've got new Incomparable merchandise and the return of some favorites. Go to theincomparable.com slash shirt to see our entire Cotton Bureau store, including a bunch of shirts, some new shirts, an Incomparable robot hoodie, and an Incomparable Zeppelin pin and hat. Check it out, theincomparable.com slash shirt. The Incomparable, number 435, December 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we are going to be doing something. So I had this idea. I had a great idea, which is we should do a draft of board games. And everybody thought that was also a great idea and that we already had done it in episode 184. <laughs> and so instead, I th- I'm going to just say I think it would be great if we drafted more board games. People love board games uh, in the holiday season. Maybe you gather with your family, you play board games, you give somebody a gift of a board game, and then the whole family plays it. There's lots of different opportunities here for things to tie into the season. And uh, also, it's fun to talk about games. Now, I want to, before I introduce my panelists, I'm going to uh, also say, how do we define a board game? I'm going to say it's a tabletop-ish game, not a role-playing game, uh, not you know, not like a game you play with a generic deck of cards. That's not going to be allowed. You can't pick hearts. That's not going to be allowed. But I will have provide some latitude to the players if they want to do things that are not necessarily, car- you know, cardboard board laid down and little tokens and things like that. That's fine. That's just fine. Let me introduce my panelists in the order in which they will pick as assigned by random.org. First pick is Erica and sign. Hello. Yes. I'm still not over Monty getting to go first in the last board game draft and sniping mm-hmm. Trivial Pursuit out from underneath me. You so second. I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. Second wasn't good enough to get Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> yeah, that's and such a part of your personal brand, right? I think that was the episode where we discovered how much you love Trivial Pursuit, and now there's lots of podcast evidence to the fact that you own like more than like two dozen uh, uh, different editions of Trivial Pursuit. That's true. That might have been the genesis. Yeah. Uh, cho- choosing second will be. Dan Morin. Oh, second is good. I like it. I like it until Erica steals Trivial Pursuit from me again. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I should I should mention the 18 things we chose in episode 184 are off the board because they were already chosen in a draft and you can't draft them again. That would Survey be ridiculous. Says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, drafting third, who was, someone who is not present for the original draft, so all of her picks will be fresh and new. It's Quinn Rose. Hello. Hello. Trivial Pursuit is not on my list. Apparently, I'm the only one. <laughs> Everybody gets an edition of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty plenty to go around. You're not alone. Uh, choosing fourth will be your internet buddy, Tony Sindelar. Hello. H- Hello, nerds. Jason, are you going to remind us which 18 things are already drafted so that people can't get mad at us that we miss those 18 things? They'll get mad at us. No, we should make else. those people do the work to go back and look. <laughs> to listen to Incomparable 184? So nobody can complain about anything. I don't. Do those people do any work? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Those people know who I am now. <laughs> I, <laughs> sure. I will list them now very quickly. Trivial Pursuit, Careers, Monopoly, Hero Quest, Clue, Master Detective, Carcassonne, the 1977 edition of the Family Feud home game, Betrayal at House on the Hill, the Poetry Slam Magnetic Word Game. Damn, we were all going to pick that one. <laughs> oh, David wow. Lore. Uh, Race for the Galaxy, Seven Wonders, Castle Panic, Risk 2210 AD, Arkham Horror, Kill Shakespeare. I wonder if that's been released yet. The Settlers of Catan, Risk Legacy. 
it's two risks people uh mm. and sorry also that game that uh tony made up where it's riskopoly and you play a game of monopoly <laughs> to resolve every battle in risk is not uh, it doesn't exist so you can't pick it i don't i don't think i made that up i think i just popularized it as a stupid thing to do. all right okay so. <laughs> great that's much yeah, better popularized picking next will be monty ashley oh hello Hello, you're back with more picks, and you picked Family Feud 77, so what will you pick now, I wonder? We'll have to find out after four people go before me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Picking after you, Brian Hamilton. I am so excited to pick games that are going to aggravate you and make you make rule calls. It's going to be great. Um, Brian, the good news is you don't pick last, but the Yay! bad news is the only reason you don't pick last is because I pick last because I'm the host and your Aww. random.org dislikes you, but not enough to say even below Jason, because <laughs> that would be, I want that to come up someday. Unprecedented. <laughs> there's for a, that there's a checkbox for that. All right. So we are going to get started and to kick it off in around, uh, what is this round four? I guess the second <laughs> board game draft. It's Erica Ensign. Please tell us your choice. Well, I have just discovered that my taste in board games has not changed pretty much at all in the last four years because I still would have picked the same same three and uh, I, I seem to remember my bring out your dead list uh, pretty much the same as what the beginning of my list here is so if you listen to the previous episode you probably won't be surprised to hear me pick Solar Quest as my first pick. It's kind of like a spacey version of Monopoly. So you're going around the solar system, but instead of buying boring like streets and stuff, you are landing on the moons of planets. And instead of boring old like hotels, you build these little metal um, refueling stations for your spaceship because yes, you're traveling around the solar system in a little rocket ship, which is great. And instead of community chest and chance cards, there are these red shift cards that allow you to move and and do interesting things. And if that's not enough, you have lasers. So if somebody (laughs) lands too close to you, you can roll dice and try to shoot them out of existence, which, you know, means that the game doesn't last as long as sometimes Monopoly can. It's a lot of fun. All the little cards for the the properties, which are the moons, have uh, sciencey facts about the the moons themselves, at least as well as we knew back in 1985 when... (laughs) <laughs> this came out like I'm sure a lot of that stuff is, is still legit, but it's it, it's it's not going to be the most accurate thing if you go back and play it now. But it's still it's still really fun. Uh, I always I always enjoyed Monopoly, but when you add in spaceships and moons of other planets and science facts and lasers, uh, then you have a game that's like pretty much tailor made for me. I love it. I thought I had never heard of this, and yet I went and googled the pictures of it. I was like, oh my god, I think I did play this as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you play Solar Quest, and for every planet you do, you make a risk map and play Risk. And for every move in Risk, you play Monopoly. <laughs> Brian, you're already yeah. going last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For every planet you do, sure. That's a technical term for it. <laughs> that's a thing that makes uh, sense. Also, Erica, you, I don't know if you know this, but the creator of Solar Quest did a Kickstarter. What? And there is a there is a new, brand new deluxe edition <gasps> of Solar Quest available. <laughs> God, are you serious? So this is this is one of those podcasts that's going to cost you like four hundred bucks to listen to it because you're going to keep yeah Solar just, Quest the deluxe yeah. edition available now for forty two dollars on Amazon. So check it out. Wow. So how how much is it a knockoff of of Monopoly? Is it just kind of shamefully Monopoly or is it just Monopoly esque? You know, it's kind of halfway between there because it definitely the board doesn't look anything like Monopoly. Um, it's Monopoly is just a knockoff of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's literally true. <laughs> <laughs> the first game was called Cap. I just read a book yes. called The Monopolists. Real neat. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, the, the gameplay feels very much like Monopoly. You are trying to get monopolies of like if you get all of the moons around Neptune, um, then you run Neptune at that point. You're the mayor of yeah, Neptune. Yeah, basically. Yep. Sweet. And uh, and Earth is basically go. <laughs> so you know you can pass Earth, get. I don't know, free gas Space or something. Gems, it's been, something like that. It's yeah. been it's been a few months since I played. Steven and I have actually played this game as a as a two player game a number of times because we're nerds. Uh, it's one of the few things I can get him to play with me because he's not a huge board game fan. Also, so. Erica, as a fan of Babylon Five and of Solar Quest, you'll be excited to know the creator of Solar Fe- Quest. His name is Valen. I did see that on Wikipedia, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's weird. So, it's uh, mm-hmm. amazing. Like I said, this game tailor made for me, and now I'm going to go spend forty two dollars to buy uh, the deluxe uh, Kickstarter yeah. edition. Amazing. Yep. I gotta say, I like this version of the draft where Jason like surprises each of us with like, <laughs> draft news facts. that your favorite game is now alive again. That's, right. <laughs> That's a draft fact. You've been draft facted. <laughs> Hashtag draft fact. That wow. is right. Okay, let's Real-time move on follow-up. to Dan Moore and what amazing facts will we have about whatever Dan chooses. <laughs> I'm very excited for this. Um, so I'm going to pick a game which I don't believe existed last time we did the board game draft. Oh no, and yet, I think oh, you're going to get sniped. <laughs> All right, everybody's going to get sniped, Tony. Uh, it has become one of my favorite games of the last few years. It's a great ah. party game. And every game, every people, uh, person I introduce it to really tends to enjoy it. And that game is Codenames. Cross. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's All so right. good. Yep. Codenames yep. is a really great game. What I love about it is that it's very simple in concept and yet incredibly challenging in execution. Uh, essentially, this is a game where you have a grid of words and you're trying to get the other people on your team to guess which words belong to you and not guess the words that belong to the opposing team. And you can't say any of the words on the table, so it's a little tabooish in that way. Um, but you have to come up with like terms that relate several different, possibly really disparate words on the board. Uh, and it's nice because it scales to large groups of people. Um, it plays very fast. like You can play around generally like half an hour or so. Um, and it's, it's portable too, which is really nice. It's a very small game. So like you can, I've like dumped it in a bag and taken on vacation because it's actually pretty, it's just cards basically. It's a great party game. And I feel like that is not a place where we're seeing a ton of innovation right now yeah. is, is yeah. party games. Mm-hmm. And especially it's a party game that's, I guess, a little intellectually, it's got words, they're written on cards. It doesn't <laughs> require you to make monkey noises or act goofy. Right. So right. yeah, yeah. A, a, a thinking man's party game, a party yeah. game for a party where <laughs> people are happy to sit on opposite sides of the table and stare at words quietly <laughs> and it's it's nice too because there's a lot of games where it's like you know i'll drag out a game for a group that where no one has played and like you spend you know an hour explaining like laborious instructions of this dan game, i whereas... assure you this game will be fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> or else but yeah code names is pretty quick to explain and again I've, I've played it with a variety of people including people who don't usually play board games and it's always a good time so i mm-hmm. i have to highly recommend it. it's also cheap like you usually find it for like less than 20 bucks so mm-hmm. Now, it's probably not a game you would play with younger children because lots of reading and having to know about words, but it would be like, you know, if you had like teens or a bunch of adults hanging out at the holidays, it would be a good time. Yeah, I've played it with my cousin's kids who are, you know, in their like preteens or teens, but like, yeah, around that age starts to be pretty viable. So my kids, uh, we played this with them and they played it well enough for us to actually legitimately play the game, but not well enough for it not to be 
hilarious so (laughs) (laughs) so that is and that's really with a lot of people because you're like you think you got it and then you realize you have it you've chosen a word that's too much like other words on the board and everything goes awry and it's really enjoyable by the way fun fact dan did you know i played codenames with four of the people on this podcast tonight in person. <laughs> what? I think I, I, think, I, I think I cost us a <laughs> yes. game. I forget. Was your there, house, yeah. there was I some there was some right. linchpin moment that was sports related and I did not deliver. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Erica will also appreciate there is a Disney family edition of code names when we play uh, random code names one day on the <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a Disney there family are, edition. Uh, there are a number of different editions, I will say. I think the original is pretty great, but I also say recently there's a co-op version called Codenames Duet, which is also really solid. Nice. All right. We will move on to the next pick. It's Quinn. Quinn, what would you like to choose? So I am basically choosing all of my picks on this draft based on the games that my family likes to play because we're a very big board game family. And so these are all going to be like the standards in our particular household, um, at least the ones that weren't picked in uh, the previous draft. And I'm going to start with one that's not strictly a board game, but I'm pretty confident it's going to fall into your slightly expanded definition, and that is Najay. So this is played, um, everybody has their own deck of special cards, um, and they have to get a, a certain number of cards stacked out on the on the table, which you do by stacking by number and color, um, and whoever gets that number of cards out of their hand first wins that round, and then there are six rounds. But the thing is, it is all entirely simultaneous play. So it's incredibly (laughs) fast paced. You can put your cards in on any pile on the table. You can create as many piles as you want. And in our house, it's basically a full contact sport. So (laughs) we play it standing up around the circular table. Cards are flying everywhere. I have collided with people playing it. (laughs) No one's had to like seek medical help at any point, but I think people have actually gotten bruised um, playing this game and it's worth every second. It is so fun, um, especially when you get a big group of people. We got an expansion so you can play with up to eight people, which is terrifying. (laughs) And it's pretty fast paced. It's never boring um, and just one of my favorite games of all time. That's great. I've never heard of this, but I love it. And of course I'll allow it. That is perfect. These cards are like, uh, you know, they're Najay cards. They're not uh, the three of diamonds and that's that's all i'm asking here yeah we i don't i've never met also never met anyone else who's ever heard of this game we found it at mm-hmm. a gaming convention called origins many years ago um and just fell in love with it there and i'm i'm on a, I'm on a mission to introduce everyone to it you'll be popularizer <laughs> the johnny appleseed of Najay. How do you spell Najay? N-A-Y-J-A-Y. Thank yep. you. Fun fact. It's on. Yeah, there's a fun <laughs> fact. It's the spelling of the game. <laughs> All right. Popularization of Najay complete for now and now we'll move on to tony uh all right so i somehow this game uh, i i it was not in the show notes so i guess maybe we didn't talk about it last time which amazes me uh because it is a game that has dominated many hours of my life since then uh and i refer to uh pandemic legacy and the, yep. the precursor oh, yeah. pandemic oh. games uh which uh I guess I guess I have to choose. I guess I'm drafting Pandemic Legacy, and Pandemic is still on the board. Okay, because uh, they are discrete games in that you had 
multiple versions of Risk uh, drafted last time. So, uh, but I'll just I'll just give a rundown of Pandemic. Pandemic is a cooperative game, which is a relatively uh, rare game format mm-hmm. where there is not a winner uh, so much as either all of the players collectively win in the case of Pandemic by saving the world from horrible diseases, or you all collectively lose. Uh, this is a very important uh, aspect of gameplay to play with my family, who is bad at competition. Um, but this could be, I think this is great for a lot of people where, you know, sometimes you don't want to necessarily win or lose, and it's it's nice to, to work together collaborative and cooperatively on something. So probably if you're just going to get started out, you would check out Pandemic, uh, which has been around for a while. But uh, in the last couple of years, what came out was a game called Pandemic Legacy, which is where you play a series of Pandemic games, and the outcomes of each game affects like the status of the board and the deck of cards, and you kind of the, this story unfolds, and it's I don't know, I have not really played anything like it. It uh, Dan and I had previously played Risk Legacy, and this really kind of even took that to the next level in terms of changing the board and, and the story that unfolds over the course of many games. Uh, and that's just, that really stands out to me as just like a really different uh, board gaming moment that I, I didn't think I'd ever get to experience in board games. That was was a unique experience. Pandemic has some of my very favorite game design aspects of it because the desi- the cooperative design and the way that the story is told on the board uh, has some of the coolest mechanics I've ever seen. That cards come back when cities are infected multiple times based on the you know shuffling and the way the cards are drawn. And it is my favorite meshing of um, theme and gameplay mechanics, especially because it is cooperative. Yeah, it's a really well done game. And as Tony says, is become like kind of a, a franchise because there's not only Pandemic Legacy, but there's like a dice version of Pandemic. There's like a zombie version of Pandemic or something, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Like- I think there's a Call of Cthulhu version. There's Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, there is this kind of thing right now where if a board game becomes uh, very successful, they try and figure out how to turn it into 15 board games, which may or may not all be great. Sure. But you yeah, know. I think Pandemic Legacy also, I think, as you said, like it's one of the best examples of this legacy system where yes. essentially things change over time because there was Risk Legacy, which I think I drafted at the end of the last one. Pandemic Legacy wasn't out yet in the last during the last draft, which is why we didn't talk about it. Um, but it's now there was also one um, called like C. I can't remember now the name Seafall. of it. Seafall, thank you, which um, I've heard was okay, but is also competitive, not cooperative. And then Pandemic Legacy has spawned a season two game as well. So they've moved on to like the fallout of season one has in fact spiraled into a new game that has similar but slightly different mechanics. But yeah, the, the fact that the board is malleable and changes mm-hmm. you go is like something that you see in video games, but not really in board games. And we actually, we finished Pandemic season one. We played all of the yeah. games in it. We got to the yeah. end of the story. Yeah. We're we're halfway through season two, and we'll see. One of these days, maybe we'll finish it. <laughs> sure, any day now. Pandemic also has some of my favorite expansions to any game because they have a bunch of cool, you know, sets you can buy to add new rules and boards and cards and things to the game that really add more replayability. Even though you know, you know, you can play Pandemic as much as you want, and you get a different story, quote unquote, every time. You can add, you can spice up your game with a whole bunch of extra cards and rules and boards and things like that. I've only played with it a handful of times. They even have an expansion that adds a bioterrorist, yeah. so that your one friend. Who who refuses to play cooperative games can be the villain. I love Pandemic. It's really good. You mentioned that it's a cooperative game. One of my choices last time was Castle Panic, which is a game that's yeah. more appropriate for kids, but it's the same idea. You're working together and you either win as a group or lose as a group. And we have moved on. We now have Pandemic, the main original Pandemic here. And uh, yeah, it's great. And and uh, it went well, although we had to get through that phase where it was, no, 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 it'll be good. Trust me. 
<laughs> it's a good game. It is. It's a little dense. I would not be playing it with uh, smaller kids. Yeah. Right? No. 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 It's just. It was just enough for my high school students for fun. Yeah. Monty, it's your turn. I'm going to pick a game that I first learned about at San Diego Comic Con 1993. Whoa. I was hanging out in the gaming room, and a guy had this game that had just come out at Gen Con the previous week. It was this new concept called a trading card game. What? Where. Each person had their own deck of cards that did different things, and you might not even know what the other person's cards did. And they all had this really cool original art, and it was called Magic the Gathering. Monty, I'd like all my allowance back from 1992 to 1996, please. Already spent it. Now, part of the reason I'm picking Magic is because I do really like it, and I think it's a great game, and I'm very pleased that it's still uh, going strong. Also because from 1997 through 2013, I worked at Wizards of the Coast for much of that running the Magic the Gathering website, and before that, editing the official tournament magazine. You've ruined my fun fact about this now, but go ahead. (laughs) I have actually touched this game. There's flavor text by me. There's card names by me. I designed cards for the recent expansion Unstable, which is one of the wacky rule-breaking expansions. Story checks out. Yeah, seriously. Because rules are meant to be just kicked on. (laughs) So, yeah, because the rules for this... Uh, draft are not strictly board games. Mm-hmm. I am free to take Magic, and I am going to, because I really like Magic the Gathering. I was going to say, I've never played Magic the Gathering, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who had the little starter learn how to play Magic the Gathering box, and I did play that one time and was sort of mystified. I had to make a rule for myself that I would never own a single Magic card, because I, I was dating someone in college who owned many, many hundreds of dollars of magic cards, and I was very afraid I was going to fall into the same trap. So I was like, I will play as long as somebody gives me cards to play with, then I'm done. I've got a couple long boxes right next to my desk as I say this, because I bought in early. <laughs> that's right, ladies. He's engaged. So. <laughs> I, that said, it's, I mean, I haven't played regularly in many, many years, but I, when it came out, I remember very vividly, one of, my, one of my cousins is like a really big gamer, and he would go to Gen Con, and he started playing it very early and gave me some cards. And yeah, there was nothing else like that at the time. And it was totally mind blowing. And I do remember back when we were stupid middle schoolers learning how to play this game that we really didn't know anything about this game. At one point, we accused each other of cheating when you only put your best cards in the deck. Yeah, that's hardly <laughs> that's fair. You works, had to play yeah. with a giant freaking stack of cards. Everybody knew that's how it worked. The guy I first saw playing magic at san diego comic-con he showed us the decks he had two decks explained the game and then wouldn't let us play because he said (laughs) everybody has to play with their own cards oh these are my own cards and that is why that guy is now bill gates (laughs) monty i got a funny story for you about how when we started playing we thought the card fog lasted for the entire game yeah (laughs) there was a weird we we didn't have anyone to kind of teach us the rules and none of us could be bothered to read the rules (laughs) so somebody would play fog and we'd just be like oh man game over somebody could have done a weird little anthropology study on like middle schoolers inability for any out of a group of like 40 to any of them to actually figure out how this game worked and explain it to anybody else there was a weird like you know game of telephone where somebody would kind of explain how they thought the game went to somebody else and they would explain it and it was it was not not a great moment for literacy ideally they have improved what the say on the cards like originally fog probably didn't say until end of turn or something Mm -hmm. Uh, the best story along those lines during playtesting people thought they had a card that automatically won the game (laughs) 
because it said target player loses next turn. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Wow, that sounds apocryphal. It's not. I've seen the card. But excuse it's me, also. sir, but I think if you read here, you'll see that it means he loses yes. in the next turn. Yeah, mm. I, I played it. It's the uh, next turn. So many law school careers launched on <laughs> one of my friends from from high school, whom I still hung out with quite a bit after that like was he was on like the magic the gathering pro tour for a while and like he'd you know check in from singapore and hawaii and then i was like that's a thing apparently oh, that was travel all around the world for the pro tour that's how i got to go to disneyland japan wow monty knows your friend probably, <laughs> probably do what's his name brian Kowal. oh yeah I remember him. <laughs> fun <course>. fact. <laughs> Jason, are you just allowed to steal other people's fun facts? Yeah, is that I'm, just, I'm the host. I just bring the fun facts to the table. You just identify when a fact is fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if that there's potentially a fun fact out there, I can just pluck it out of the air and go, here it All is. Right. Fun fact. I, I'm learning a lot. Okay, good. And uh, we're going to learn a lot from Brian, who's going to choose now. Hi, Brian. I am so unbelievably glad this has not been chosen. Codenames could have been my number one, um, but I'm much more happy that this game is not taken because it is actually my favorite game of all time. Uh, it is Love Letter. It is a mm. game from 2012. It is only 16 cards. If you buy it on Amazon, you get a cute little red velvet pouch that keeps all the 16 cards and some little tokens in it. But the premise of the game is that uh, each of the players is a suitor trying to get their love letter to the princess in the game. And each of the 16 cards in the game is one of the people in the castle to help you out and play is very simple everyone draws a card on a turn they have uh, effects on them and then they play another card on their turn and it's extremely simple a round takes maybe less than five minutes but the way that the cards are written and the way the game is played um, to try to survive the whole round without knocking out other players, it winds up being a lot about social deduction and logic puzzles and, uh, you know, counting cards and trying to do things. There's one card where um, if you discard it, you broadcast a little piece of information that could confuse the other players. It, it, I, I can't I'm not doing a very good job of explaining, but when you play this game and you realize how much depth there is for only 16 cards in this little pack for around eight dollars uh it is some of the most fun i've ever had so the idea is you play you know a whole bunch of rounds and the first person to get to i don't know six or seven rounds one wins and i always have a copy of this in my backpack Uh, my girlfriend and i play this constantly because it's just oh you want to we're waiting for pizza you want to play love letter yeah sure and you pull it out and play a few rounds at the table at dinner while you're you know waiting for food to be brought to you it is one of my favorite games of all time and probably my favorite game of all time because of how complex it is for just 16 cards Love Letter. I have never played Love Letter, but I am a proud owner of Batman Love Letter, which is the same game <laughs> but with Batman art on the cards. Fun fact right there. That's the funnest fact of all for Love Letter right there. <laughs> uh, the fun fact about that is I gave that to Tony. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> yeah, this is another one just franchise games. Yeah. yeah, they have a pure horror reskin called Lovecraft Letter. Oh. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. I haven't played it, but it's sitting on my it's sitting on my shelf. Like I've had it for I think over a year now. <laughs> it's a good game. My my fiance, like a bunch of her friends get together every year and play games. And we convinced one of her friend's moms to play it with us. And she really, she enjoyed it. She was not like super into board games, but she was like game for giving it a try. And she really seemed to like it. So it's pretty accessible. Yeah, I have the Munchkin Skin version, which is Loot Letter. And I also, I really like this game because it allows me to lie to my family 
And I, I guess I'm considered somewhat of a trustworthy person to play games with, which is a ridiculous assumption because that sounds like spy talk. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> but there was one particular round where I just looked my sister in the face and completely lied. And she chose to trust me over our other family member who was actually telling the truth. And um, I won the game on that round and it was great. I don't have problems. <laughs> <laughs> I've played this game with you, Quinn, and I can confirm you are brutal. Yeah, I can also confirm that Brian just carries us around with him. <laughs> Anytime you're in a line somewhere, Brian is going to say, let's play Love Letter right now. So what I'm saying is get in line with Brian. Hey, do you guys want to play Love Letter? We're not doing anything not, else right now. Wait a second. We are. We're, we're drafting things. We're drafting things. What? And in fact, really? it's my fun turn. Fun fact, we're drafting. It's a, that's all. could be a fun fact. Could be not. Um, I'm going to pick. Uh, so it's been a few years since the last time I drafted and one thing that has happened in that time is that my kids are capable of playing games that are, have a little more complexity to them and I'd say that in the last few years the game that is the most consistently entertaining for the entire family is Ticket to Ride a classic Ooh, hmm. on, on my list taking it off you uh, have to build railroads across North America but there are other additions in other places the idea, for those who don't know, is that you have to gather cards and the cards will let you um, buy segments of a railroad and you have to basically you're assigned routes that you need to build. And if you can connect the routes with your color of pieces, you earn points from that. And if you do that successfully, you can also choose to get more challenges to build more points and you get points for the length of your railroads and all of that. It is uh, competitive and sometimes directly competitive. Um, a lot of times, especially with kids, this is good. It's kind of parallel competitive where you're all trying to reach a goal, but you don't. There are times when you can block somebody and really mess up their uh, their game, but they come late in the game and uh, they don't always happen. And so it, it isn't necessarily super cutthroat, which I think is good yeah. for uh, especially a certain audience uh, and kids, especially. To, I like to describe those types of games as more competitive than antagonistic, really. Yeah, like, there you go. You're, you're all trying to get across the finish line in a way instead of trying to sabotage your opponents, which in, in a lot of other games is the case. Especially the game Sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. You get to learn some geography along the way, whatever it you're playing with whatever map uh you know you need to get to montreal from seattle you might have to go through alberta and then you'll just learn something about canada <laughs> is all i'm saying that's a fun <laughs> fact that is yeah, yeah sure if you need to get from uh, san francisco to miami that's a long way and you might not make it but it's yeah. satisfying to build train lines it is and the card <laughs> gathering part of it is actually kind of uh it's both soothing and fascinating because you have to, you know, I, and I think it plays against your pattern matching brain mm -hmm. where you're like, well, I've got one pink and one white. Should I discard? You know, but And I could go for either. Which one do I go for? And it's very much like, well, do you feel lucky? Do you think the pink is going to come up? It's uh, that part of it is actually really satisfying, too, even though there's no skill involved in it. It's just you got to make some decisions and stick with them or abandon them. So it's a it's a super fun game. Fun fact, Canada probably wouldn't even be a country if not for the railroad because uh, bc only joined canada because they promised to build a railroad also if you'd like to get that beatles song stuck in your head play ticket to ride <laughs> it will <laughs> and with that we'll go to our second round erica what is your next game i had trouble picking my next game because i have 
you know, several other ones, but the order of them tends to vary. So I'm just going to go with the one that I've played the most recently. And that was actually just a couple of weeks ago. It's a Catan game, but it is Starfarers of Catan, which is one of the versions that it's not just taking a, a, a skin of space and throwing it on uh, classic settlers of Catan. Otherwise, I feel like maybe that wouldn't be fair to pick because I think Tony picked it last time. Yeah. Uh, Starfarers is different. And <laughs> I think you're going to notice a theme because one of the things about Starfarers is that it's different is you actually have like a character, a, a game piece that you move around the board, uh, unlike Settlers of Catan. So it's more like a classic classic board game in that way. And the best part about it is it's a spaceship. It's called the Mothership. And it's a little plastic model that as you go through the game and collect more accoutrement for the uh, for the 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 starship, uh, you get to actually physically put like these things on there. There's little little rings that mean that you can uh, carry more freight. There's little laser blasters that you can put on the front of the ship to be able to defend yourself. It's it's a cool like physical thing to be able to play. Boosters, these little boosters that, that make you go uh, faster, so you can move more spaces. Uh, but it still has the Catan feeling of discovery. And you know, once you get to a planet, instead of a instead of random spots on an island, you get to flip it over, flip over the number and discover, just like in Catan, you roll dice to see what what items are going to be produced. You're producing very different things when you're out in space, stuff like carbon. And there's aliens, and you get to run into aliens. There's like four different races of aliens, and they all kind of each have their own sort of thing that they do. Plus, there are random encounters. Uh, instead of rolling dice to see how far you can move, you actually shake the ship itself, the little plastic ship, and it's got uh, these little different colored balls on the inside, and depending on what order those little balls fall, into uh, into a little plastic cup that will tell you how far you can go and if uh, if the little one that's black appears anywhere in the little plastic cup then you have an encounter with some some either pirates or space pirates or weird aliens space pirates that's a relief yeah. I, I was worried that it might be regular pirates and that wouldn't make <laughs> no, sense no so. it's, that would be really really scary mm. I feel like if you ran into a normal pilot when you're in the mm-hmm. middle of space um, but there's still like the trading of, uh, of settlers of Catan wheat and- <laughs> Is there a lot of sheep trading going on in space? Space wheat. Space wheat. It is, yeah. It's it's, it's quadruple Yes. Mm-hmm. And Tribbles. <laughs> oh, no, that's Star Trek Catan. That's different. And yeah, and for a long time, I I wasn't able to find this game because I moved 1,500 miles away from my brother who had it, so I couldn't play it anymore, only to discover that uh, Annette, my co-host over on the Herb Chirp podcast, actually owns this game and has the entire time I've known her, and I only found out a few weeks ago. So I will be playing a lot more Starfarers of Catan <laughs> in the near future, and I'm really, really excited about it. I think I played it once, and I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. Sounds cool. I like uh, I like the regular settlers of Catan. We'll play that from time to time, mm-hmm. but Tony already picked it. So uh, yeah. let's move on to Dan. All right. I'm going to play a game that is not maybe not one of the games I enjoy the most, but it's really well made. Now, it comes down to a class of games that you like you might call sort of like hidden allegiance games. But uh, it's referred to by at least one of my friends as uh, lying and yelling games, <laughs> <They're> <laughs> uh, <not wrong. laughs> which are, you know, of the sort of ilk of, um, you know, going back to like mafia, werewolf, those kind of things where it's like some people are on one team, but nobody only the people like on that secret cabal know who they are. And this is the recent version of that, which is also timely and educational. And that is Secret Hitler. Oh. This is a really interesting game. Um, I finally got to play it with like a big group of people, which is highly how I, I I highly recommend playing it with, you know, eight to ten people if you can find that many people who are willing to take part in a lying, yelling game. Um, But essentially, (laughs) the idea here is that you're in Germany before World War II 
and some people are liberals and some people are secretly fascists and the fascists are trying to pass their fascist agenda without anybody sort of catching on and one person is hitler um the fascists uh know who hitler is but hitler doesn't know who any of the fascists are so it's actually weirdly in hitler's best interest to be as liberal as possible because the game ends uh the fascists win if hitler is elected chancellor <laughs> um and the liberals win if they pass a certain number of liberal policies it's pretty simple mechanically and really what it comes down to is a lot of the turns are about arguing over whether somebody's a fascist or not it's really interesting though from a political standpoint because it shows you just how kind of how weird these sort of wheels of power are when they turn and how easy it is to throw people under the bus or get thrown under the bus i will say i was recently playing this game uh a couple months ago and somehow i ended up twice in a row being hitler and twice in a row getting elected chancellor so yeah it's an interesting game i have to say um it's it's designed by in part by max temkin who is the co-designer of uh, cards against humanity and yeah it's it's really well thought it's also a really like beautifully designed game the physical pieces are really nice um like it's got like a lot of care and attention to detail and it's it's fascinating um definitely worth playing i again i'm not sure it's like the most quote-unquote fun of games um but it's it's really fascinating it's real easy to reskin too if you're not comfortable shouting hitler at people like (laughs) i i played a game on a forum that was exactly the rules of secret hitler but we were hobbits and nazgul instead Ooh, i like that (laughs) which suggests very unobservant hobbits i think we we discussed possibly doing this one day as a game show and we were we were going to make it the secret klingon (laughs) Which, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's somebody. Yeah, there's there, are, there, are, there are similar games that have this kind of dynamic, right? Like you've got the Battlestar Galactica game. There's the Resistance. Uh, Tony mentioned Sabotage, Saboteur earlier. earlier. Um, so there's lots of these games that exist where it's like people. There's like a secret group that's trying to undermine the other group and not everybody knows like what side people are on. The Resistance is a great game if you just want to yell at people for like yeah, eight minutes. Yelling eight and minutes. lying. Yeah, yelling <laughs> and lying for eight minutes. It's quality. Let's go with your family. That's the way to do it. Yeah. After you have a tense family dinner where you argue about fascism, you can argue for, about fascism for fun afterwards. Hey, hey, Dan. Yeah. There are no fun facts about Secret Hitler. <laughs> That's true. There's nothing fun about it. Quinn, uh, what's your choice? Well, I'm going to continue on my trend of picking games that I discovered at gaming conventions in middle school um, <laughs> and go with Bezer Wizard. Uh, this is a tr- trivia board game that has a strategy component and so um each round your players or your teams it's really easy to play with teams as well um you draw tiles to determine which category your questions are going to be and then you get to determine the point order of that so which order the questions are asked in determines how many points they're worth but you also have the ability to swap or swap topics with another player without their consent um, or buzz in, which is kind of stealing questions. Like if they don't get the answer correctly, you can jump in and get those points. But you have a limited number of those plays. And so it's a little bit of strategy in the game, but also mostly just the trivia questions. Um, and there's a huge number of categories, and some of them are objectively better than others. Uh, it's not objective at all, but <laughs> there's in our house, there are categories that are more coveted than others by all people. So you, if you get, you know, the film category, then you know that's going to be st- 
stolen from you immediately and you need to uh, place it accordingly in the game order. So it ends up being really fun and it's probably my favorite trivia game um, because it's easy to pick up and it has really varied and interesting questions um, and just a little bit of trying to mess with your family. I love when a game can take trivia and add more of a social element to it because it's not fun just kind of sitting around talking, oh, do you know this? Oh, I don't know. Do I know this? No. But like when there's more of an element of stealing or tricking or, you know, manipulating the question order that is where trivia really shines brian are you saying something about trivial pursuit is that what you're saying no see because we do the fun version with the board and the everything it's it's fun okay there's a game to it it's fun come on we don't do the fun version with the board no, we do the fun version with the cards, the random rolls. Right, uh, we take out the board, I you see. know, the strategy part. I, I hear my words being twisted in a way I do not appreciate. <laughs> fun fact, your words are being twisted. <laughs> and it was fun. Erica was strangely silent when you ran down trivia games as a source hmm. of fun. Well, not trivia games. I'm done. <laughs> fun fact, I bugged Brian there. Brian, do you have any criticisms of Canada or Erica that you'd like to share with us next? Save something for the next round, Brian. It's fine. <laughs> Let's move on to Tony. I will choose next. Uh, I'm going to draft the game Mysterium. Yeah, uh, Mysterium wow. is uh, it's a relatively recent game, but I'm I it, I wasn't sure if this should be this <laughs> high up on the list because I'm like really into it right now. But will I still be really into it? Probably yes, because this is a game where you are a ghost oh. and you have to communicate how you were <laughs> murdered to a team of psychics trying to track down where you were murdered, how you were murdered, etc. It's like it's like it's like Clue if one of the players got to be Mr. Body, T- Tony. Um, Tony, I, I can't. I, it's amazing because we played this game, and I was going to make a joke later about how we didn't pick that game where you have to be a ghost, but you picked it. <laughs> Is this a fun fact that we did pick it? Fun, fun fact: I was the ghost. <laughs> fun fact: You were the ghost. Uh, this game. You, uh, fun fact, Jason: You still are the ghost. <gasps> what? <gasps> In a way, you're just a ghost inside a person. Uh, Tony, Sorry, Tony what, you, what you haven't mentioned yet is the method by which the ghost communicates, which is what turns this game into a maddening and hilarious yes. <laughs> exercise. This uh, game builds off of uh, the mechanics of uh, the, a kind of similar game called Dixit, where the ghost, ghosts, as you know, as everybody knows, ghosts can't talk. What sure. ghosts can do is communicate through abstract art. Um, the ghost <laughs> right. is given a deck of cards of very weird, evocative things and the idea is that they're giving each of the psychics a dream uh that might have you know but for example the ghost may be trying to communicate i was stabbed to death it is unlikely that you will have a card with a dagger on it or a card with a kitchen to tell people that it was in the kitchen so you have to kind of try and figure out like through shapes or colors or other Mm. associations what's going on on these weird uh cards to communicate uh, with the uh, players and the ghost this game is it's theoretically timed it's so it's only 42 minutes the ghost cannot talk the entire time yep. and is not supposed to basically react in any oh, wow. way uh, negatively or positively to the players it is hilarious fumblings. being the ghost i have to oh, say it is amazing it sounds so fun it's really it's great a, it's a good game that's the hardest part of code names for me yes uh i encourage you it's reverse code names i really yeah. baffled scott mcnulty in that game let me just say <laughs> i encourage you all to come to my house and play mysterium with me i'll let you be the ghost um i believe it also has a creepy music soundtrack you can play yes. any game with a creepy music soundtrack is excellent yes nice. well any game dan what about that one game that well, the first one we played with a creepy music soundtrack? oh I, that's on my list tony <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll mention that one later because that's not it's Future a fun, fun fact, fact. 
Fun fact, that, I don't know what's worse, that game or the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the soundtrack. It's the soundtrack. Yeah, never mind. I thought about it for a second. So yeah, Mysterium, if you've always wanted to be a ghost, uh, I have played this with a lot of different audiences, including... I even we I played this once with a group that included uh, relatively a young kid I think like eight or nine and the kid was totally into being a ghost and communicating uh, via these these cards so uh, it's it's a pretty interesting game. Uh, yeah, it was that was a, one of the weirdest games I've ever played, but it was challenging. Yeah, the idea that you um, as a as a somebody who was a communication major in college like. It is a fascinating exercise in how do you communicate if you have no tools to communicate. Yeah. Jason, it just seems like professionally you've been a little little relying very heavily on the written and spoken word in yeah. your career. So how about how about imagery? Yeah. And and the and well and you said that you get a deck of cards. That's not true. You're handed a couple of cards out of the deck from which you need to choose one to communicate. And then you look at them and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. It's amazing. Cause as a ghost, Jason, can hard. we include an image of top hat rat in the, uh, in the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite card. There's just that's, a card a really, with a, like a rat a really at a market. Card. And the, the rat is wearing a trench coat and a top hat. Yep. And I don't know what top hat rat is meant to communicate, but he is saying a lot to yep. me. Fun fact. This one was on my list too, because I played it a bunch of time, including with you guys. And also with, with, um, as the ghost in other circumstances and it is it is hard it is a hard it game is. but it is it is incredibly clever it's another game that has the art is beautiful even if it is super weird but it's like really lovely the game is really well designed um and it's it's a fascinating it's totally different like the dixit i think tony compared it to is similar and i would say that one's much more approachable for young kids um but other than that, I, I have a hard time imagining other too many other games that are like this in any way. Excellent. Excellent. All right, we'll move on to Monty. Uh, speaking of lying and yelling games, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> a, you were not uh, speaking of lying and yelling games. <laughs> that is not a new genre. Y'all ever played Diplomacy? It's super fun. Next on my list. Yep. <laughs> uh, this, of course, is a game like Risk, where you have armies in... Usually World War One ish Europe, and you have to kill all your uh, opponents. The difference is there's no randomness at all in the game. Everybody submits their moves silently at the same time, then they all resolve. So the only way to win is to lie to people and get them to do what you want to do instead of what they want you to do. But even though everybody knows that the only way to win is to lie, this game ends friendships so hard. <laughs> there's like there's like three people from junior high who I think have me on the list because of this game. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have to say I never successfully finished a game of this. I will say uh, a couple years ago when I went to Gen Con, I shared a lift from the airport with a guy who's like, yeah, I'm just here to play in the diplomacy tournament. And I was like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> oh, I once played in a diplomacy game where I had set up a fake website with bad advice oh to my God. give to somebody who was it was their first game. I was like, <laughs> oh, you're Italy, huh? Hey, uh, this site has some pretty good advice for Italy players. Check it out. Fun fact. Oh, let's just, just take all a moment and just appreciate that we're Monty's friend and not his enemy. I mean, for <laughs> now. Yeah, for now. I once played diplomacy over in a class that was about World War I. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know why the teacher decided this was particularly educational, but we spent, I think, like nearly two full weeks of this class just playing a very long game of diplomacy. Uh, it's so great. It's the platonic ideal for me of both war games and 
and trick people into letting you beat them games. Fascinating. I have only read about it. I've never played it. Oh, it's great. You want to play? No. No. Never say it's yes. Honestly, people <laughs> were very my playing, playing it by mail in the pre. Yeah. And then it was an early game that people would play on BBSs and such. So It's classic. All right, Brian, it's your choice. Uh, I was very scared this pick would be sniped in the second round because we mentioned it several times in uh, a previous round. Forbidden Desert. Uh, I think Forbidden Desert perfects Matt Leacock's uh, cooperative game formula in that in all the other games uh, forbidden desert or forbidden island and pandemic there is a card swapping mechanic where you have to meet up with your fellow players and spend turns trading cards back and forth in order to like deposit in some way to like get the uh goal item and forbidden desert issues that for uh, a different mechanic of a desert storm that is uh you know flinging sand everywhere and um uh water that you have to uh drink throughout the time to stay alive in the desert but it's a very similar uh very similar game in that you are a group of people who are stranded in the desert and you need to look through the sand to figure out where the pieces of this ancient flying machine are and then you all come together in the end and build it uh, and try to survive the sandstorm and the uh, and the hot burning sun that drains you of water. Uh, I love the way that this game, more so than the uh, other Matt Leacock uh, cooperative games, uh, builds a different board each time where uh, as you unearth more things from under the sand, you have to triangulate the location somewhere else on the board of where these like hidden puzzle pieces are. And it is so much fun. It's a lot more accessible for first time players uh, than something like Forbidden Island, even where you have uh, you, you have to explain the card trading mechanic in a way. So I, I like Forbidden Desert more for that. I think it's a better game. I will agree with you on that front. Um, it feels like it's a more refined version of forbidden island and it's not just the card trading but like uh there's a lot of small things for example forbidden island i find one of those games that if you get good enough at it it's harder to lose whereas forbidden desert feels still challenging even after i've played it like i have played it a bunch and i've still lost a lot um and it's it's really well done i agree with you that that mechanic of like locating the thing the parts of this airship you're trying to build is really difficult and it's got just that right amount of frustration in it where it's like, oh, we've, we've got this nailed down. And then something <laughs> happens that throws everything in a disarray. You're like, no, we were so close. Mm-hmm. There's just enough randomness in the card shuffling that it can infuriate you. Yeah. And the, and the powers are really well balanced for the different players. Like, you know, it's, it's a really well done game. And I would agree it's probably one of the best cooperative games out there. Yeah. Something we haven't mentioned about all these cooperative games like Pandemic and Forbidden Island. Uh, each player has a specific role where uh, maybe they get extra moves or extra action they get to do or they get to fly around the board somehow or some game specific like advantage every player has a different advantage so that adds to more planning and cooperating with your other uh, players to figure out okay you have this advantage so i need to get this to you so you can make better use it's it's my favorite of it's a little, it's a little rpg almost but not very light light yeah. rpg light rpg very nice yeah it's harder than forbidden island we uh we played it uh, we've played it a bunch and have yet to win. So, which I have to say, I have to say, and, and you know, with the kids and, you know, we, maybe we could get better at it, but it, I, I would, I would say one of the problems we've had with it is that after you've bashed your head against a game five times and you've lost every time, it is hard to get somebody to say, yes, let's do that again. Mm. But it is a really good game. I just, uh, I, I wonder, I keep thinking one of the things I like about, um, about pandemic that i'm not sure forbidden desert gives you is pandemic essentially has an easy setting 
that you can start with. And I think the base setting for Forbidden Desert may be a little bit too hard. Fun fact, it's time for Jason's choice. All right, here's my choice. This is this is not, again, this is one of those things that's not quite a board game, but it is, uh, I'm going to pick it. Well, I don't know about this. We <laughs> had to consult the judge. It. it is a uh, great party game. Uh, it's Telestrations, which is a game in which everybody gets a little whiteboard and a little pen and a card with a word or a concept that they need to draw. And then you pass it on to the next person who doesn't get to see what the word is, but has to guess from the drawing what the word is. And then they write that word down and they pass it oh. to the next person hmm. who then needs to draw Somebody the word that they're given. Somebody figure out how to commercialize Exquisite Corpse? Is this yeah. what this is? Yeah, exactly right. Or the, te- or yeah, the, or uh, the game the of Victorian telephone. Victorian board games would like a word serve. <laughs> so basically you just need an idea and a bunch of little cheap whiteboards and you got telestrations. It's great. It is hilarious because not only is the when you get a drawing from somebody who is really not good at drawing and you just are like mystified about what word it's supposed to be. But also, of course, at the end, when it's revealed whether uh, your word managed to survive the uh, circle or whether it has been mangled beyond recognition, it is <laughs> fantastic i highly recommend for especially like even large family groups i think it comes with like eight or ten of the little slates it is uh it is a surefire hit and i i don't know if i've been to a large family gathering in my family for the last like five years where telestrations hasn't come out and everybody who has played it has bought it for their house so that there's always a copy around because they love it so much so it is uh it's just it's just funny it's just people are really bad at drawing things and interpreting drawings and uh that makes it comedy gold so telestrations is an excellent game to play with friends i have a group of friends that plays it a lot and it's led to many amazing moments and later on inside jokes including Uh one particularly memorable time where we started with the word show choir maintained it incredibly well through the first eight rounds or whatever and at the very last turn someone misinterpreted a drawing and wrote apocalypse (laughs) (laughs) yep that is telestrations right there that is the whole thing that is beautiful beautiful it is hilarious all right we will do one more full round and it will begin with erica i think it's actually kind of odd that the the other two games that i picked tonight were not cooperative games because i actually prefer to play cooperative games i don't like uh i'd rather play together with my friends than play against them um and i really don't like the yelling and lying games so uh i'm going to pick a cooperative board game and the one i'm going to pick is lord of the rings the 2000 version like not the not the kids version that came out like 2003 this is one that came out before the movies it's just based on the books it is so much based on the books that one of the hobbits you can play is actually fatty bulger who's not even in the movie i played this one where they clearly needed to have a fifth player and (laughs) hey fatty did some good work back in i I know but nobody wants to play fatty the hobbit so (laughs) well a A, there's the name b clearly second rate hobbit he did not go on the adventure but uh, (laughs) we've all been there he's as good as second well (laughs) Um, but this is yes, it's another it's a it's a cooperative game. It's um, actually I was I was it's been a while since I played it. So it's kind of refreshing my my memory on the um, on the rules and stuff and kind of scanning through Amazon. And there's one uh, Amazon review that uh, it's just one line. It says it's a, a much less complicated than Arkham Horror, which I actually picked in our last board game draft. <laughs> Would you like to play a game of Fizbin? That's also less complicated. <laughs> 
but more complicated than pandemic. Like that's how this person <laughs> describes it, which I think is a good sort of like that kind of gives you an idea of the rules. There, there are a, a lot of like sort of steps to each turn. And obviously the goal is to take the one ring and throw it into Mount Doom before Sauron can get his hands on it. And you're working together to do that. It's kind of neat because it's not just a board game. It's got multiple boards. So there's a board for Bag End and one for Rivendell and Lothlorien. And I like the, the change of scenery and the, the change of the game as you go into different places. And it's got, for me, a nice balance of strategy and randomness. I don't really like strategy games that are full on strategy, uh, but games that are completely random, it's like, why even bother? So I I appreciate that this is this is sort of somewhere in the middle. If you want a, a straight up strategy game, this is not for you. But uh, but if you're like me and you like uh, a little bit of both, it's fun. And those are some of my favorite books. So I just feel like I'm playing through the the books, and you know, I'm hanging out with hobbits. It's great. <laughs> I just remember the the there's like a little Eye of Sauron piece that's mm-hmm. like this little black monolith that's yep. much bigger than the Hobbit pieces and it keeps getting closer and I was like this is a very intimidating little thing for like you know a three inch little plastic thing it is it, it creeps up on you throughout the yeah, game yeah I don't I don't like that and as a as a cooperative game you know you're each playing a different Hobbit and mm-hmm. depending on the sort of strategic uh, strategery of the session you could actually uh, you might want to just let yourself be killed in order to sacrifice yourself in order to, you know, let the whichever hobbit is carrying the ring get even farther. So, yeah, yeah, you can you can sort of be picked off one by one, depending on how the game goes, which is which does make it even more intimidating for that little black token. All right. That sounds great. Dan, your turn. Uh, I'm going to pick a game that I've only played a couple times, but it's my current obsession. So I'm going to go with it. Uh, it is a game called Captain Sonar. I love this. I've never played it, but it looks like so much fun. It's a really, really fun game. Uh, and I basically I describe it as a mix of like Battleship meets The Hunt for Red October. Uh, so essentially you have two teams. Each is manning a submarine. And you are working with the people on your team. And, and like in some of these cooperative games, everybody in the team has a role. You have a captain, you have a first mate, you have an engineer, and you have a radio operator. And you've got like these sort of grids and you can't see what the other team is doing. Uh, and basically you're chasing each other around, but you don't know where on this map you have the other the other submarine is because they're underwater. So you can like power up your various systems like your sonar or like use a drone to try and like locate certain information about them. Um, you have to like manage damage to your submarine while also like uh, fi- trying to like figure out like your radio operator is basically like listening in on where they're going and then trying to like do this overlay. And it's really well designed where it's like all these maps that are sort of handed out that are all uh, dry erase mats. And so you get it gives you a whole bunch of marker dry erase markers and you like draw on things and then erase. So you like you ever see classic submarine movies where they're doing like the uh, the hand Bing. calculations of of courses where they like put these things down on these light tables and like draw out like where the courses are going. It's kind of like that. Um, it's not as complicated as it sounds like mechanically. The mechanics are actually pretty well done. Um, but it is it is fascinating as you like you're trying to like track down this other submarine. And you're trying to like keep it quiet on your team. We'll figure out like where the hell are these guys? And then all of a sudden like somebody fires a torpedo and everybody holds their breath to see if it's actually going to hit the square where the other submarine is. It is amazingly tense. It is a lot of fun. It does a nice blend of cooperative and competitive gameplay. Uh, and it scales fairly well. I would say I've played it with both three on three and four on four. I think three on three actually works pretty well. 
um, because you can collapse two of the roles pretty well. Um, it's well designed. It looks great. And it's just it's a lot of fun and totally unlike any other game that I've played. Fun fact, I've played this game. Dan was there. <laughs> that wasn't that fun, but OK. I assume that all the, that you and Dan have played all of the games. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. And of course, Battleship meets Hunt for Red October. It's right up your alley. I, I sat there. That's thinking, two of like, your favorite movies. No, it's not. It's, it's really not. <laughs> Fun fact: That's not true. Uh, I sat there oh, thinking, no. could this be adapted to a podcast game? Because I think it would be awesome. I think it might be challenging, but it seems like it would be super cool. Right, Captain Sonar. Uh, Quinn, you're up. What do you have? So for my final full pick, I am going to choose Seen It. Hey. Um, My first note under Seen It just says, don't at me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to suggest that Seen It is the most um, brilliantly designed game of all time. It basically is uh, around usually some kind of theme and you roll dice, you land on squares, you roll dice to get the kind of question that you're going to get, which is either like a trivia question off a card or some kind of fun digital experience where you watch a clip and answer a question or do some kind of puzzle up on the screen. I cannot even guess how many hours of my life have been spent playing some kind of scenic game, usually Disney or Harry Potter. Um, It is absolutely a go-to favorite. Uh, Back to kind of the trivia game idea, it is just very fun to do trivia games. And this is great because it there's, it's quite varied. Um, so you have like the standard questions on card, but you also, you know, get to watch clips from movies, which is always a great time, um, especially when you're a child. And that's like that every time we rolled the die that said that we got a my play, which is you just get to watch a movie clip most of the time. It was like, yes, this is what we're here for. <laughs> Uh, now, as I'm a little older, I find it more fun to do the sort of the puzzle games where y'all trying to solve a puzzle the fastest at the same time. Um, but it still is a go-to game. And honestly, I'm still always looking for different versions of stuff that I'm interested in that I might want to play Cena for. It's great. I know about it. I've literally never played it. But it sounds like a lot of fun because it's that whole multimedia experience, right? <laughs> is, everything it's amazing. Harry, is everything a scene from a movie or are there only like special things and you have to put in codes and... They have different categories for the questions, and so you might have questions about like the actors um, or music from something, and then the scenes can be anything from like you might have to watch a scene and then answer a question to do with something else in the movie, or it's like how many raisins were on the table, um, and it's more about an observation than anything. So it it depends on what you get. Well, there's themed ones too. I think I played the Harry Potter one with my family at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. We there's a couple different Harry Potter versions, and we have many of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tony, your choice. Uh, I will choose for my my last pick here, uh, Dominion, uh, which is a <gasps> deck building game, uh, which I don't I, maybe I don't know if this created a new genre of board games, but certainly it popularized. Did. OK, because uh, this, this is there are many, many versions of Dominion. There are also many, 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 many games that are clearly inspired by the mechanics of Dominion. Uh, Dominion is almost like it's almost like a game system yeah. that you're buying more than a game. Uh, but the idea is in the Dominion box that you get, there's like 30 different types of cards. And every time you play, you can play with 10 of them and you could choose randomly or they've got kind of recommended ideas uh, for things. And you usually play with like two to four players. And the idea is you start out with a deck of just basically money and points and you use the money to buy cards that you then add to your deck. 
and get shuffled in and allow you to do weird things with chaining different actions and getting more points. Uh, and it, it has the different editions of it add new mechanics. Uh, and this is a game I played a zillion mm-hmm. times. It's one of those, it's not too hard to learn. And then there's like a million different variations on top of that, which is a nice thing where, you know, the, the barrier to entry is relatively low, but then there's like a million permutations. So you won't get bored of it. Uh, and yes, this, this, basically ushered in like a new shelf at the board game store of like here's all the things that are dominion inspired as well as there there must be 13 or 15 different versions of dominion at this point it Um, was like when magic came out all of a sudden trading card games were a thing dominion came out and like oh deck building game fun fact i've played dominion with brian kowal oh there you go wow (laughs) what i like about it is that as tony said it's not you when you're buying the box you're not buying like the one game and then everything else is a, is uh you know you can buy expansions in the box even after you get used to the base game there are so many different variations you can play they have mm-hmm. the suggested presets you can mix it up and so there's a there's just an enormous amount of variation just in the one box which i love yeah. i think that's really great it it hit kind of a perfect uh, middle point of like it's not like go and buy a bunch of magic cards and play magic the gathering or even go and buy some pre-built decks and play magic the gathering but here is this stuff that will be different in lots of different ways so yeah dominion check it out yeah it's really good it was on my list it's high on my list tony you might have sniped me there eat it snow yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right you, you got it well done monty your choice i've got a lot of things fighting it out I'm just going to pick a game I really, really enjoy. It's called Family Business. It's essentially a game of mob wars, and the rules are really simplistic. Like, each person has nine people in their mob, and they're all completely identical, except that you get a card with each one's face and name. And I've never played with anyone who doesn't immediately start talking like a gangster and say, <laughs> oh, no, you put a contract out on Al Capone. No, you put a contract out on Al's buddy over here because you start valuing some cards more than others. Essentially, you're putting contracts out on the other people and on the other mobsters. And when there's too many people contract out on them, people just start getting machine gunned to death. <laughs> the mechanic that makes this game really fascinating to me is that the basic loop of gameplay is person A plays a contract and then the person who's who it's on can counter it with a mob family influence or something else. But if you counter a card, it becomes your turn immediately. And you can counter a card aimed at anyone. So once the table realizes that one person doesn't have any counters in their hand, sometimes what will happen is everybody just starts piling up on them until it's the person who's supposed to go right before them. And then the person who goes after them will counter it and skip their turn entirely. <laughs> it's There's not a lot of games that actively mess with turn order like that. And family business is just a great uh, – Fun, sit around, play 15, 20 minutes of a card game where you're, like, shooting mobsters. It's great. (laughs) Super fun. Nice game you got here. Be a shame if anything happened to it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's a card called St. Valentine's Day Massacre that kills everybody. Cool. Super fun. (laughs) All right. That sounds like a fun fact. Uh, Brian, it's your turn. (laughs) 
I guess this is the uh, write things on whiteboards round. I'm picking Say Anything, which in the grand tradition of uh, Apples to Apples and Cards Against Humanity is a game where uh, everyone's in a circle and each round has a different like question asker or host or something. And uh, you, you draw a card and ask the question and it'll be something about the asker. So what would be my dream movie? Uh, where would I like to go on my honeymoon? Things like what, that. You what do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> what's your what's your favorite cookie? <laughs> yeah, I I forgot about the two. How do you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> what product had that set, that catchphrase? <laughs> a coffin, and everyone has a whiteboard that they will write their answer on and place face up publicly. Everyone knows who wrote what. But the fun um, point getting aspect of this version of like the question asker asking a question of everyone is. Uh, the question asker will look at what everyone has read and pick a favorite, and then everyone else votes on what they think the question asker picked. So if I really liked Jason's answer, if we were all playing right now, um, I would pick Jason's answer, and then everyone else would think, oh, maybe I like Dan's answer, maybe I like Quinn's answer, and you vote on uh, who you think wrote the right answer and it gets very wacky and very silly uh i I, this is one of those party games where if people are burnt out on the more simple ask a question play a card everyone laughs kind of thing this is a fun take on that where uh there's a lot more variety and they're almost in the way that something like quiplash where uh everyone writes down the funny things and the uh everyone like you you can tailor it to a specific group of people and do the kind of humor you like the the, uh the kind of questions like ask it's a really really fun time say anything is there a part no where you have to stay in oh, never mind nope nope <laughs> 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 okay so i'm gonna close this out and then we'll do a bring out your dead round um i uh i had a theory that somebody would pick chess which nobody picked which is fascinating um moises chuyan who was going to be here but then couldn't make it uh he was going to pick uh go which is another interesting uh, choice, the 2,500-plus-year-old Chinese game. Yeah, computers broke that game. With two, it with two rules. Well, so this is part of it. So, you know, in Go, you play on a grid, a 19 by 19 grid, and they're theoretically, you, you know, you could go bigger or smaller, and you place your black or white stones, and you're trying to capture uh, territory and all of that. Um, it can go fast or it can go slow. But uh, Moises, true to his nature, I would say, wanted to point out there are two excellent documentaries about Go on Netflix right now, The Surrounding Game and AlphaGo, uh, the latter of which covers the first time a computer beat a professional Go player. I remember when I was a kid, the science fiction said, well, one day computers would be able to beat people at chess, but computers will never be able to play Go. And it turns out... (laughs) That's not true. <laughs> not, not even a little bit. Not even close. More like Wint, am I right? Uh, fun fact. People now measure uh, chess grandmaster's ability by how close they are to what the computer says they should have played. Yep. It's amazing how far we've come. So I'm not going to pick those, but I am going to pick a game that's similar. It's a game that is based on an American game called Halma. The Germans adapted it into a different game called Sternhalma, where they made the board, instead of a traditional square, into a star. Uh, And America, true to form in its complete lack of understanding of the rest of the world, decided to rename Sternhalma as... Chinese checkers, <laughs> a game with no origin in China whatsoever. In fact, even funnier, it's American 
and then perfected by Germans before being reimported into America. But regardless, I'm really good at Chinese checkers. It's awesome. You have little marbles. You jump them to the other side of the board. Other people are trying to cross the board as well and uh, get their marbles in the little triangle at the opposite side. And you have to make little jumps like in checkers where you can jump over other pieces. That's how you, you want to create long kind of chains of marbles so that you can move your marbles out of one side and over to the other. But of course, other people are crossing. So there's traffic. They get in your way. Um, and it's honestly, it is, uh, I love it. I'm good at it, which helps me love it. But it, uh, my parents got me a Chinese checkers board when I was a kid and I was kind of obsessed with it and I still have that board and I still have those marbles and it's still great. So is there a Chinese Harry Potter checkers. version of it? There probably is. <laughs> okay. I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't, it doesn't count as a board game if there's not a Harry Potter version. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> lived until you've played the, uh, the, I don't know, Klingon checkers, uh, licensed yeah. <laughs> version. It's yes. Ch- Chinese checkers is better than the original Klingon. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Anyway, speaking of uh, those kinds I've, of board I've, games, I have not played that game in so since I was a child. I think. Oh, it's really good. It's 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 really good, and it's hard to play. I think I played it once in like fifth grade, and I didn't do well, so I never played again. Well, we'll play it sometime, <laughs> and then you'll just beat me, I'll and I'll win. never want to play ever <laughs> yeah, again. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun <laughs> fact. Jason's a lousy hustler. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Anyone want to play Chinese checkers? I'll beat you at it. Oh, uh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> All right, let's go back around uh, for whatever is left. Erica, what didn't you get to pick this time around? Uh, one thing that I thought of actually as you were, were talking about that was uh, Aggravation, which is sort mm. of a, a homemade oh, yes. game that um, was it was a big thing in northern Wisconsin. Anytime we went to visit uh, an elderly relative, there was always at least one homemade aggravation board made out of a, a board of wood played with marbles. It was basically sorry. Um, so that uh, Talisman, which I think I mentioned last time in Bring Out Your Dead. It takes forever, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> Cosmic Encounter, the Mayfair Games edition, because you can replay it a billion <laughs> times. And Aliens. I like games about aliens. Um, uh, Wizard's Quest, which is uh, an old Avalon Hill bookcase game, which is kind of like a super stripped down version of something like Risk, maybe. I don't know. But you have orcs and you're looking for treasure. It's fantasy. <laughs> It's it's not a great game, but I ha- I think back fondly on it. Have orcs, want treasure. Got it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. You know what you um, should play is Wizards Questopoly, though, where you have to play a game of Monopoly to resolve. Ne- never mind. Hey. <laughs> uh, and speaking of games that, uh, that, that bring me joy, just thinking about playing as a child, I really liked uh, things like Life and Fireball Island. And there was mm. this one game, and I, I spent some good time digging to see if I could figure out what it was. It was a kid's board game, and it involved monsters. And I remember that there were cards that had monsters on them, like little, you know, Frankenstein monsters and Dracula and stuff. And I could not figure out what this game was. It was probably just some one-off thing that my mom got at a rummage sale, but I loved it. So whatever that monster game is, that's on my Bring Out Your Dead list. All right. Great. Dan, what's on your list? Uh, let's see. I got three sniped, which were Pandemic Legacy, Forbidden Desert, and Mysterium. All good choices. In addition to that, Imhotep, a really fun uh, game where you're sort of an Egyptian architect building uh, pyramids and stuff like that. It's clever. It's short. Uh, it's it's a really, really fun and simple. Uh, I, I meant to pick Seven Wonders last time. Seven Wonders Duel came out after that, yep. which actually it's fixes the fact that the two-player version of the original Seven Wonders was kind of garbage. So they made a version only for two players, and it's very, very good. It's You know what? I think... I'm just going to mention uh, it is impressive. Usually the two player versions of games are kind of like a cheap cash in and <laughs> seven wonders duel has like a new mechanic. That's delightful. I played it with Brian Hamilton once. 
Hey, yeah, I was there. That's a fun it's, fact. <laughs> that's a fun fact. Uh, Scotland Yard got was still in the Bring Out the Dead last time. It's back. Uh, the Game of Thrones board game, speaking of yelling at each other games, it's kind of like the more modern version of diplomacy in some ways. <laughs> um, Sushi Go is a fun, cute party game. Uh, Space Alert is a game that Tony and I have played, which you're on a spaceship that's slowly breaking and aliens are attacking. Hey, it's- you get to yell at each other in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in space, no one can hear you yell at each other. Uh, sometimes that's true. Uh, it has an MP3 soundtrack to it, which is very odd. Um, Lords of Waterdeep, a D&D themed game that's actually a lot of fun, but kind of complex. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, but Mastermind. I actually really hmm. like Mastermind. <laughs> sure. Uh, the game I alluded to with Tony with the soundtrack Last Night on Earth, which is a zombie apocalypse game with a terrible, terrible soundtrack. Does like I think written by the significant yeah, it, other of the designer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but the game is game has its entertaining moments fine. as it cashes in on a lot of zombie movie tropes. The game is also quite long, so you will if you leave that soundtrack, <laughs> it's like on, a half hour you're soundtrack, hear it yeah. six or seven times, and you're it does not it does not get better with each repeated playthrough a game that i know tony owns that i've really enjoyed and haven't played a long time cash and guns you're allowed to actually draft games that are i own that you haven't even bought yeah absolutely there's no rule about that all right uh cult express a railway game uh railway robbery game where you're like in the old west quirkle is a great puzzle game yeah. uh mm-hmm. star wars rebellion a really good two-player star wars game i'd say of all the games it's like a giant spanning like take several hours game but it's a lot of fun and finally I really thought about picking this for one of my three picks, but I didn't because it was not on any of the list last time. Balderdash. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that? Never, Never heard, heard of it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is that Canadian? I don't know. Sorry. It's an unlicensed version of low definition. I see. I see. Oh, okay. All right, Quinn, what did you have left? So as I mentioned before, I got Taliesin Snipe for me. I also want to mention Bananagrams, which is like Scrabble, oh, yeah. but actually fun. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> <Fair. All right. laughs> um, also the game Authors which was a card game oh, we had yeah. that was just Go Fish but it was very uh, there was a specific deck with authors on it and you had to ask oh. for mm-hmm. specific novels written by those authors and genuinely taught me a lot about classic classic authors when I was a kid so really enjoyed that game We owned, that was a game my parents like had and mm-hmm. we always played on car trips and stuff my great aunt had that game I believe that's, that's about right I really liked it yeah my grandmother had it and we found out recently that she got rid of it and my sister her and I were genuinely upset. We we're like, why would you get rid of authors? We love that game. Um, and I also wanted to mention uh, the two games that were not eligible, but would have been on my short list had they not been claimed in the previous episode, which is Clue and my personal favorite board game, Settlers of Catan. Uh, those people in episode 184, they ruined your fun. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Fun fact. I didn't. Those that, weren't mine. Let's ruin your, ruin your fun fact. No, that was... Uh, that was Dan and uh, Tony. They were they ruined um, everything. Uh, Tony, I think I picked apologies. Talisman in the uh, Ring Out Your Dead round last time. Yeah. Mm. Hey, Tony, what uh, what do you have? Uh, Dan mentioned Cash and Guns. He forgot to mention that Cash and Guns is a game where you point foam guns at each other <laughs> while fighting about money. Uh, so that's that's important. Uh, true, other, true. You other great games have all been mentioned. The last two I have on my list to mention: uh, Chrononauts is oh, a yeah. game. The oh, mechanics yeah. of it that's are funny. not super amazing, but it's a game where you're time travelers from an alternate timeline and you're trying to restore the timeline to what you think is right. Uh, and it's kind of got an educational component where it teaches history and alternate history. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, it's the uh, the alternate timelines are very humorous and it's it's fun to play. Uh, and then the other one I'll mention, uh, Power Grid is it's probably my favorite of those kind of classic German uh, board games with placing lots of things on a board. And it is a game uh, you get to build things. You build a power grid and build little factories and upgrade your system. And it's got both kind of drafting of things and an economy. It's very complicated, but very satisfying to play. Uh, Monty, you uh, your turn. I was going to pick Cineplexity if we'd gone one more round. it That's a game where you just get two cards out, out on the middle of the table. They say things like crime story and a loner, loser, or leprechaun. The first person who yells out a movie that has both of those elements in it gets a point. It is super fun if you like thinking of movies with two random elements in them, hmm. which I do. <laughs> Very specific. That's the most Monty ever. Monty, did you design this game? No. We enjoy okay. it around my household a lot. Okay. Other games I had on my list are Illuminati, the original card game, oh, yeah. not the uh, mm-hmm. trading card version. Ideally, Illuminati Deluxe Edition, I think. I totally forgot about card games, or my Bring Out Your Dead list would have been much longer. I know. Uh, another card game, uh, Stratomatic Baseball. Good fun oh, yeah. uh, before the internet. Uh, I would have picked Checkers, not Chess. I think Checkers gets a bad rap. Everyone says, he's playing Chess, not Checkers. Checkers is good. <laughs> if anyone's ever played Myth Fortunes, the uh, game board game that's related to the um, Myth Adventures series of books, that's a good fun uh, board game. And uh, I'm also going to say Car Wars and Pit. Especially Pit Deluxe, where you have a bell to ring. Ooh. <laughs> I like games with bells. Uh, Brian. Cards Against Humanity has to go. Uh, we can't go without saying Cards Against Humanity. Very fun game. I bought Mage Knight over two years ago for the single player aspect of it. Mage Knight! Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, reference knowledge. Mage and maybe Knight. like three times in that two years, try to take it out, set it up, put it together, and get halfway through one turn over the course of three hours and then rage quit and throw it away. I've never actually played a full turn. That game was great. so highly rated on all of the board game list. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I bought it. I have a shoebox full of Mage Knight figures. I would love to not have any more if, you know... <laughs> If you want uh, According to Board Game Geek, playing time sixty to two hundred and forty minutes. Great. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> also, the number of friends you'll lose. Sorry, that's <laughs> the setup time. <laughs> uh, Mind trap. Uh, Got to plug that. Bananagrams. I think it's also very fun. A quiet year, which is uh, you have a giant sheet of butcher paper and you draw cards that add story elements to this game, and then you add that story element onto the map with a sharpie. It's barely a board game it's almost a story game and it can be played for free with a deck of standard cards but you can also buy a $20 set of cards I thought that was a little bit too uh, against the rules so I did not pick that but it's an excellent game a quiet year uh, Trouble for Nostalgic Factor I love the little pop 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 <laughs> yeah pop bubble pop bubble uh, Game of Thrones uh, I played a marathon you know 10 hour game of Game of Thrones a few years ago once and it was one of the most fun things I've ever played, but I've never it's, played it again. It's an entertaining game, but you can only take so much of it. <laughs> uh, Sushi Go. Uh, I think Sushi Go is like the better version of Dominion if you do the um, mm. uh, the Sushi Go Party, which is a very similar thing where you can like build a deck and play with different parameters and rules and things. It's very fun. I love Sushi Go. Fun fact. I gave my mom a copy of Sushi Go, and the TSA did not like that she had it in her carry-on luggage. What? 
They don't like tin. tin. They don't. Yeah, it was a metal yeah. tin with paper inside. They don't like that. Uh, zombie dice is an excellent little game of uh, game. luck pushing, and uh, each player is a zombie rolling dice that are humans, and you can eat their brains or you get shot. Uh, and it's a very very fun like push your luck game that scales infinitely because everyone just plays until you hit a certain number. Very very fun. Uh, Catan Cities and Knights is an expansion on uh, Settlers of Catan, and I think it's different enough that uh, it is its own separate game. It is so complicated and so much fun there's so many new rules you get a little calendar you can flip of uh different uh things you get throughout the game it's very, Brian, very you fun. should have totally lords picked of- that i would have let you pick that that's <laughs> yeah it sounds great lords of Waterdeep is another excellent worker placement game uh, based in the dungeons and dragons world and from the last draft that i could not take uh because they've already been drafted betrayal at house on the hill is an all-time favorite in my friend group and truge and i have almost broken up thanks to carcassonne mm. <laughs> Both good games. I've got only two that have not been mentioned so far. One is King of Tokyo, which is a game where oh, you get game. to yeah. have uh, you you are a giant monster or you're fighting a giant monster. Fun fact, Monty has a story about that. I do. I got to uh, playtest that at a pro tour in, I think it may actually have been Japan with Richard Garfield. Wow. shortly before it came out it's great he designed magic it is yes. the art is super fun and the play mechanic where you've got dice and you can like heal you there are different paths to victory you'd say you know it's a uh you, different ways to get victory points and so you can sort of choose to be balanced or to to lean all in one but you know if you if you go too far one way you're giving an advantage to your opponent so you get to learn kind of like a balanced attack and it's just uh fun and delightful and uh, my kids love that one too and uh, to wrap it all up, uh, since it's not a standard deck of cards, I can pick it. Uno, don't at me. Uno is <laughs> <Yay>! great. <laughs> can I at you and say high five? You can do that. You can high five me. You just can't can't okay. at me. I I, uh, I I play that with the kids all the time. You can play it. You can keep you can keep score and play multiple hands of it. Uh, and it's delightful because, of course, it is subverting all the rules by having reverses and skips and doing terrible things okay. to the person and sitting then, next to you. And then Jason played a reverse, and we had to do the entire draft in backwards order. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I have to move uh, my children apart in that game because they are too mean to each other. So <laughs> It's a contact sport. Board games are a contact sport. Yeah, yeah. absolutely true. Uh, Teaches them ruthlessness. All right, we've reached <laughs> the end. That is it. We have chosen 21 new games to go into our draft list with the uh, 18 that we previously chose. So that's uh, 39 down. Uh, maybe we'll do another round and maybe I'll expand the definition of what a board game is even further in another, you know, 300 episodes. But mm-hmm. for now, I just want to thank my Finally, panelists Quidditch can get in. for being here. <laughs> uh, Erica Ensign, thank you. Uh, thank you. This has been a trip down memory lane. I'm already making a list for next time Great. in four more years. Thinking about old games and also old episodes of the podcast. Dan, thank you. <laughs> I just want to go play some board games now. Thanks. Excellent. Well, you, Riskopoly is right there for you. Quinn. No! Quinn, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, who's next? Tony Sindelar, thank you. Thank you for having me. Goodbye, nerds. Yay. Uh, we have Monty Ashley. Thank you very much. Every game can be a lying, yelling game if you put your heart into it. <laughs> 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 Brian Hamilton, thank you. There were no games this time with an underground uh, lake on the second floor. That is <laughs> That's no true. good. That's true. Very true. That is a that reference acknowledged. And thanks mm-hmm. everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. Uh, I hope you found some cool games that maybe you'll get, get for a loved one and play with friends. We will see you next week. <laughs>